Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with the topic of God, the only cause and creator. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. We're very glad you all could join us. We'll start this morning with our prayer. I'm reading from excerpts from pages 207 and 77 of Divinity Course and General Collectania, the Blue Book. Hold sacredly to your joy, your gratitude. It will keep the door of spiritual revelation open and unfold to your receptive thought the white Christ light of unselfishness or joy and activity. For ministry is gratitude and compassion. Animal magnetism, ignorant or malicious, you cannot separate me from God good. You cannot dim my spiritual perception, for God is all in all, the only creator of the only universe and man. We are his children, and we do realize the all fullness of the omnipotence of God. My health, strength, life, intelligence, action, etc., are subject to the governing and controlling power of the divine mind and to nothing else. For there is no power. There is no other power. Beautiful. Thank you, Florence. Ministry is gratitude and compassion. I love that. Thank you. Okay, Karen. Watching point 460. Watch that you accentuate and amplify your scientific declaration by knowing that the infinite power of God is back of them. Once Mrs. Eddy brought forth this point by saying, every true and noble thought helps to raise humanity and lets the light in. What we speak humanly instantly vanishes. Radio broadcasts appear to do likewise. On the contrary, whatever comes from God continually amplifies, remains to grow louder and louder, and becomes more imperative until eventually it will fill the world. If we regard our scientific arguments as supported by omnipotence, they will let in the light that will increase and spread without limit. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, good one. I Carpenter says much about this. I love that. Okay, comments. I think it's outstanding. <laughs> and Mrs. Eddy said, whatever treatment, it goes on and on forever. When I started to understand that and then see the way the children respond, it is a wonderful thing. And I love this part. Whatever we speak humanly instantly vanishes. Just let us go. <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you saying about the children? Well, the children, like, Kate uh, will ask, like, will ask for prayer. And, uh, and I know that it goes out. Now I understand that. And they're receptive. And, and this kid, this other fellow we were praying for, he's fine. And he said, he said he loved me. He said he loved you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, it's not me. Right. Anybody else on that? Well, I love how these thoughts from God, you know, they, they get en enlarged and refined in our thought over time, too, which is why we can continually have these things from the Bible and they're always new and fresh, which is pretty wonderful. Thank you. Our whole lesson, I feel like, is on this. It's just the exactness and and infinitude and and control and that God had in everything. I just felt like it was really telling us to praise Him. And He He's everything, and He was exacting, and it's mm -hmm. perfect, and it's everywhere, and it's not going anywhere. And 
that's sort of what this treatment's saying is it's getting more imperative, louder, and goes out and spreads. And it's great. Thank you. It reminds me of the verse in scripture where it says, the word of the Lord um, goes out and does not return void, but it accomplishes that for which it's purposed. Right. Yes, thank you. And the word is God and God is the word. So, And I also like the fact that it's mentioning the power here. All power belongs to God. So whatever has come from him has power. And this is why the emphasis on knowing who Mrs. Eddie really is and know that whatever she has said also has power. Thank you. Very important. I like where it said, if it comes from God, it gets amplified. And I can see God telling you something. You don't get it. It gets a little bit louder and a little bit louder until you get it. <laughs> yes, right. That's right. Amplified. The still small voice sometimes <laughs> is like, hey. <laughs> Wake up, goes up. Yeah, and this is very important that you're knowing this during the day and certainly before watches or before you give a treatment to know this. You're not some little weak little thing trying to change anything. You're declaring the word of God, which is acknowledging his omnipotence, omnipresence and omniscience. And it's most important that you know this and feel it. And, and act with that great authority of it. Someone has the computer on. We're getting an echo. Oh, okay. Well, please turn your computer off. Um, so I, I know, as I've told you before, before I do a watch, I always know what this statement from Mrs. Eddy in Science and Health. Whatever holds human thought in line with unself love receives directly the divine power. It's a wonderful statement of truth to know. Whatever holds human thought in line with unself love. So, and that's what our watches are about. They are about unself love. And as Carpenter has said, Gilbert Carpenter, our watching is a Christian scientist's life insurance. Because you cannot be watching and praying for others without being blessed yourself. It's most important work. And it must not be neglected, as was in our watch message last night. So it has been neglected. People didn't even know it existed. But now it's back. It's back. (laughs) (laughs) So... Could you turn the temperature up, please? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. God, the only cause and creator. Jeremy, the golden text. Psalms. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Thank you. Um, Any comments on that? Well, Carrie sent me a a beautiful article by Duncan Sinclair. He's one of our favorites called Divine Help. And it says, what makes the Bible the beloved book it is to so many? Some there be, it is true, who read it for its literary beauty or historical lore. But the great majority are drawn to its sacred pages because they tell of God's love and of God's care for his children. After being driven before temptuous winds over the rough sea of human life, how sweet to anchor in those calm havens of truth to which the scripture beacons guide, there to abide a while until we are inspired anew with courage to resume the voyage. And then I know most of you, if not all of you, feel that way, right? The inspiration of the Bible. And over and over and over again, Mrs. Eddy speaks of it. Um, and her book, Science and Health, was totally based on the Bible. She studied it for several years before she wrote Science and Health, and we must too. And it's under attack 
I probably has already been under attack, always been under attack, but I get these pop-up things on my phone. But one, one recently was that it's the King James Version is being banned in this school district in Utah because of its vulgarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, really? Really. <laughs> really. <laughs> I'm sorry. What what, was that you, Florence? Yeah, well, where is the vulgarity there? I I don't know. And and um Well you and there is no rationale. This is the devil at work. I mean you know, it's not even worth talking to. It's just an attack on God, on Christianity. Um, by someone unfortunate, someone who is totally ignorant and has been misled. But we do need to be quite aware of it and to be working and to, you know, not allow these things when possible. There's a big battle going on in, in a New Jersey high school because the librarian was displaying books. Uh, Linda had looked at some of them, which is really pornography. It goes under the name of gay rights or something, but it wasn't. It was graphic pictures, graphic novels, a graphic novel. And we are, we are not that, that doesn't need to be banned, but the Bible does. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So I'm back to the hell you say, (laughs) and we're not going to allow this to happen. And we're not going to have the innocency of our children to be robbed by, I don't know what, um, something we know is untrue and unreal and not of God. And that's the best way and the only way really to handle it. But but we love our Bible, we study our Bible, and we're grateful for our Bible. But it's an offense against God. Yes. And anyone that offends one of these little ones, Jesus said, will have a millstone around their neck. I don't think these people know what they're doing no, when they're they doing don't. some of these things. So... Um, but we stay alert. We have to know what's going on, but at the same time, why stand aghast at, at nothingness? And I'm sure it's gone on for, for centuries, for decades, if not longer, centuries. But this is part. I mean, you know, there, it has no cause, it has no source, it has no law, but it is part of the Marxist plan. <laughs> it is. And there are people who are influenced by the Marxist plan. You know, there are depraved people in this world who are susceptible to that kind of corruption. And they will work to carry out, Mrs. Eddy says, the enemies are at work 24-7. And what are we doing about it? And what are we doing about it? And I'm, I'm grateful because... Years ago, when Mrs. Evans was here, we did we studied the Communist Manifesto. We we were aware of what was going on. So the things that are going on now are not really surprising to us. We know what's at work, but we're also clear, and we do know what's at work, and we're not fooled by it. So we stand strong in this truth, and knowing the allness of God, back to the allness of God and the nothingness of any error. And all error can do is destroy itself and go back on itself with accelerated force. So we know that with power. And that is love. That is true love, yes. The end of last week's roundtable is a beautiful treatment about influence. They can't be influenced. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, to work with that. The influence all divine. No one can be influenced erroneously. It's in the uh, rule for motives and acts, not to influence or be influenced erroneously. No child can be influenced erroneously. And the hymn, influence all divine. And there are other hymns, too, on that. To be knowing and declaring this as you go throughout your day. Um, We're either... Alive, awake, and working, or we're asleep. Well, no, these kids will rebel against that. Right. Junk. Yeah, because it is. It's it's junk. Yeah, and we also need to know that no adult can be influenced right. erroneously. To want to put this forth. Right, because and the influence in the influencer 
the erroneous influence and the erroneous influencer are both a lie. Yes, they are a lie. And and what happens is you just enter into the Adam dream, and who needs to be in the Adam dream? Because all of this is is the Adam dream. So we want to stay out, stay in the Father's house. We all need to be doing what God wants. That's it. Pardon me. What God wants. I said we all need to be doing what God wants. That's yeah. All. I will be done. All right. Um, Shar, do you want to read the responsive reading? And- oh, sure. Okay. Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. (laughs) Thank you. And, And what did you comment about it? Well... You know, I last week uh, it was Jehoshaphat, correct? Correct. Who he praised the when he went for help, he knew that he must praise the Lord, and they did, and they sang, and I and that really hit me. And I've been doing a little bit more singing, and uh, <laughs> we we should too. You know, during our day, yeah. as you praise Him, do it's okay, and uh, and then and then uh, this is. Uh, Roberts picked 280 for our Sunday school hymn, which is Praise Him, Praise Him. Oh, I know. And it's uh, Praise the Everlasting King. Thank you. I love that song. That was what I would sing to our daughter at night before I just would sing that song. Praise Him, Praise Him. Um, it's so important that we we do praise God because it's a form of certainly a form of gratitude and that connects us with God. Um, anytime you're truly grateful, if you feel, if you feel you don't, you you don't have a connection with God, just start counting your blessings and being truly grateful for the giver of all good, not just the blessings, <laughs> but who gave it to, to you, which is God in every instance, giver of all good. Um, we have a article on our website called Gratitude by Herbert Eustace. It's been in our Liberator, and we've talked about it before, but it's an interesting story to me. He says when he was on vacation one Sunday evening, it was my privilege to hear a learned bishop of the Episcopal Church deliver a sermon. In his, in his address, he stated that in his old parish, in one of the large eastern cities, a parish that contained some of the best Christian workers he had ever known, on reading desks in the church were the old prayer books that had been there for over a century. They were not then being used because more modern ones had replaced them. So one day the thought came to him to look over these books and see what prayers to God had been most frequently used. First he turned to the prayers for help for the sick for the safety of those at sea, and for the many other blessings mortals so urgently desire. All these prayers were black with finger marks, showing how much they had been used. He then turned to the prayers of thanksgiving to God, and he was amazed to find that those prayers of deep gratitude were as clean as any pages in the book, showing how little they had been used. There was every evidence to show how constantly they had prayed to God for what they desired. But there was no evidence to show that they had expressed any gratitude for the blessings received. Now, what's with that? What does your Bible look like? (laughs) 
And what does it show about what you're grateful for? It makes me, you know, really sad in a way to think of that. We're always asking, asking, we want this, we want that. And yet how much thanksgiving and praise um, do you get? I, I know I've talked to Florence about this too. You, I'll have patients, they, they ask me for help. And then I never hear the results. I, you know, and then maybe, maybe a month or so later, they'll give a testimony about how something had been healed. Right, Florence? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Several people who, I don't know for what reason, can say, I'm, I'm grateful. You know, I think this is, I read in the, I just read it, uh, that, um, a demonstration or a healing is the, it's according to the understanding of the practitioner and your belief. So it's important to you know, give the gratitude to see the power to gain the understanding with which it came about. And I'm just very interested why some people won't just say, okay, I'm thankful for, for this or you know, concluded as such. I don't know why. Well, I'm telling you, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, when Mrs. Evans was around, it you got blasted <laughs> because it's 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 not it's not for God's sake, or even if you know if you never thank a practitioner for the work she's done, it's not for the practitioner. Who's it? Who's the gratitude, gratitude for? God, God, God. Oh. And also, your expression of gratitude is for whom? It's for you. 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 It's for your benefit to be grateful, to be grateful all the time for what God has done and is doing for you. You know, in the Bible somewhere it says, you know, God is a jealous God. Well, God yeah. is not human. Not a, It doesn't have a human personality. But God craves to know you and to and to care for you because God is incapable of doing anything else and when you are grateful to God you have that you have a connection that nobody can break that is the the greatest security that anybody could ever have but when you don't have that gratitude you you put yourself out of God's house you you put yourself out of into the storm <laughs> of the Adam dream. Plus, there's that story of Jesus healing the ten lepers, and then the only one came back and gave gratitude, and he was, was made whole. There's a huge difference between your your leprosy being stopped and healed, and then being made whole. <laughs> so yes. you would think you would mm -hmm. want whole. Thank you. And it's it is a I I know this from experience. It's a wonderful thing to give a testimony on Wednesday. And it's also what, um, something I'm very grateful for. I have, you know, 10, almost 10 years of, of testimonies that I have written down so I can look back and see what, you know, I, I've given great you know, gratitude for. And, you know, some big, some small, but. Thank you so much. That's so good. Yes, yes. To be made whole or just, yeah, you had your physical healing, but to be made whole is so much different. And if you're you're not even aware that you're not grateful or that you haven't given proper thanks, there's something intrinsically wrong with that. And and then you go from problem to problem. It shows you're in the human mind. You just, oh, well, that's done, so I'm going to go to the next problem, rather than glory to glory, rejoicing and rejoicing and praise. And the more you praise him, the more gratitude you have, the more you will bring into your life. You will have more good. And, and the less you do, it is. It's a circle of love. And you haven't completed the circle if you haven't truly given the gratitude. And we will also. It, it, really, it, it really is. I think we're saying we will only be grateful if we get a healing or God, if we see that, oh, God did something. God is giving us good all the time. So we really have no excuse not to be grateful all the time to what he's doing. Thank you.
Absolutely. You're so focused on the problem, you're not seeing all the glory and goodness of God all around you. And that is often the key to the healing of your problem, because you're so focused on the problem, you've made a reality of it. Carol? And we were also taught that when you give gratitude to practitioner and to God, that seals it. That seals your healing. Yeah. If you don't do that, it's it's open. It's hanging out it's there. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a circle Lillian was talking about. Completes the circle. <clears throat> no, as you might be tempted to think it's a con- uh, coincidence or. Yes. Or would it happen anyway? Would it happen anyway all the time? Yes, indeed. Well, and this is what animal magnetism is about. Animal magnetism is the evil that would prevent you from accepting God's care for you and acknowledging it and being grateful for it and wanting to be closer to your God all the time. If you're feeling reluctant to give gratitude to God or, you know, or to a practitioner who has helped lead you to God, If you're feeling reluctance to that, that's animal magnetism. And if you give into it, you know, you're you're sunk until you fight it and recognize it for what it is and say, no, I'm going to be grateful. Sometimes you have to work at it because sometimes the habit of being reluctant is so strong that you think it's normal. But it's not normal. It's all part of the Adam dream, none of which is normal. Gratitude is a divine state of being. It, it is a what's way. Pardon me? Like, what's your motive? You know, you. Oh, from you just said, Yeah. I, well, in other words, you know, what's your motive for needing a healing in the first place, right? Are you just trying to go back to the good times? Uh, didn't you just read um, whatever holds thought in line? Yeah. Um, you know, with unself love. So if if you're coming at this from this is what I need so I can continue doing what I want, then you're you're really not working from a point of, of being unself. So when these challenges do come, they do look like it's problem to problem. All these things are getting in the way of what I want to do. So your motive is wrong. So that's probably why the gratitude doesn't flow. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly why. It's just all selfish. And it's getting, I I hope after all these roundtables, most people listening aren't seeking healing, just their own personal healings anymore. But they see the much bigger picture. Um. You can start out that way for a while, but after a while, you've got to, again, one of my favorite quotes, the game changer in my life, too soon you cannot turn from disease in the body to find disease in the mortal mind and its cure. Working for God. Working for God. Yes, indeed. And working for God can have many different meanings, but... But it's something we all need to, to do and gives you a reason to get up in the morning. If you don't have a reason to get up in the morning, it's easy to be sick and pull the sheets over your head. But or when you just sleep in and yeah. try to try to sleep even more. Yeah. Just, just read any of these books about Mrs. Eddie and everything. I mean, she get, she just gave everything. So <laughs> if, if that doesn't just rebuke anything, selfishness you have i mean you're you must not have a conscience i mean how can you read these books and not just ask yourself there's got to be more you can do well and that's the reason that some people don't want to read those books and that's the reason why it should be a requirement at least one biography a year because you can't read those It, it is a rebuke to the human mind to see how unselfishly she worked and to want to emulate that, at least in some degree. Now, this praise, um, how does that relate to God, the only cause and creator? 
I will praise him. Great gratitude to him that he is the only cause and creator and that there is no other and, and to be grateful that we don't have to uh, see any or accept any other cause but God there is because there is no other cause and how good that cause is. Thank you. Right. Yes, you are seeing his creation and praising it and that is so uplifting and that's acknowledging him as the only cause and creator. And it will take you out of the depths of despair. It will heal you of all kinds of problems because in seeing God's creation, you realized what Mrs. Eddy said, he, what did not he create. And as grateful as we what might be. What did he not create? He did evil. not send. Oh, sin, disease, or death. death. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, and as grateful as we might be to our parents or relatives or friends for the help that they have given us during our life here on earth. We don't praise them. Right. We don't, we don't give them power over us. We don't um, worship them. We don't let them get in the way of our relationship with God. And we recognize that God is their creator as well, and that the good that we have received through them is ultimately the good that God is. And that establishes the proper relationship with everybody that we associate with here on earth. Otherwise, we have a a uh, questionable and sometimes troublesome relationship with people. <laughs> if we don't recognize that God is the creator of them as well as us and is the basis of our relationship. In Mary Baker Eddy's Six Days of Revelation, you know, she, she says that creator, really that word, it's better to think of it as, as reflection. Because we know, right, that there there was no beginning and there's no end, right? It just goes on forever. So it is that immediate reflection of God. And she also warns us, um, it's so important that we are always knowing who is our creator and that we've created nothing. You know, this is where we're different from the secular world because they seem to enjoy to think that they created things and also things can blow up because of what they've created and all kinds of stuff. And we stay separate from that by praising, yes, worshiping only God, not man. It's never man. If there's been anything successful done in this universe, it's always been God that's done it, not man. Man's reflection of God, but not man. Mammon. Um, <clears throat> Mrs. Eddy, this is from the six days of revelation. Mrs. Eddy could say that turning from God to self as origin brings, brings darkness. And it does. It's very depressing <laughs> to think of yourself as a personal creator of anything, your business, your child, whatever it leads to. Yeah. Darkness. And she says too, if, Christian science children did, however, consider that their children were their own creation, that is, offsprings of thought wedded to error instead of the creations of God appearing to them, they would be worse off than the merely ignorant. Why is that? Because they should know better. <laughs> better. Yes. And, I, I, you know, this is where we don't dibble-dabble around in the science. That's also true about inheritance. I can't tell you, I don't know whether I can number the number of Christian scientists who have come to me with hereditary problems. And they'll say, well, my mother or father or so-and-so had it. Hello? <laughs> you are not connecting the dots, Okay. How can you say that if, if you've read science and health? How can you possibly believe these things? It's so important that we recognize God is the only cause and creator. And therefore, 
All that we inherit is from him and him alone. And to be knowing this always, and that's why we are very alert about going to these human things, whether it's graduations, weddings, baby showers, funerals, because it's all saying you created it. And isn't this great? Well, it's great until it turns to, you know what? (laughs) And it will. You've got to stay above it and be consistent in your application. You really cannot say you're a Christian scientist if you come and think, you know, you have an hereditary disease. How can you say that? And you might as well go to a doctor. So please connect the dots. What we read, what we study, and how you live it is so important. And what you're taking in. Um, A couple of other beautiful articles that Carrie sent around this praising. One of them by a Jean Freelander. It's called Praise the Lord. Each of the Psalms from, from the 146th through the 150th commences with the injunction, Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> over and over and over. And then this very beautiful one called Also Praise the Lord. Um, it says, is mortal man then the only object of creation who does not voluntarily praise praise God since he is the only one thus exhorted? Let us examine, beginning with a tiny blade of grass. Does not its perfection of outline, color, utility, and beauty sing a loud song of praise to God? And does it not teach a beautiful lesson in humility and usefulness since it may be crushed and trampled upon? yet takes new roots, springing into new life, perhaps stronger than before. Does not the violet praise God in its modesty, fragrance, and dainty beauty? And can we not learn the lesson of self-immolation and modesty from this little flower, which seemingly hides itself in the profusion of its own foliage? Should not we likewise hide personality in the foliage of good work, kind words, gentle deeds, and thereby sing a sweet strain of praise to the Most High. It it goes on about the lilies, about the trees, about um, the birds. Aren't they all praising God? And this is seeing his creation, isn't it? If you're in the wrong mind, you're going to see everything wrong and upside down. When you're in the right mind, you'll see God. And even in a blade of grass, as Mrs. Eddy did. Such and a beautiful. the way they can pop up through asphalt and everything. Yes. <laughs> that's right. It's Same wonderful. Yes. And there was just something. Now, Stacy had told me about this quite some time ago. Stacy in South Dakota. Um, and it's from the Christian Science Hymnal Supplement, which was added. And... Mainly it has songs we already know set to different music, but occasionally there are a few beautiful um, sentiments. And I, I love this one. It says, I will come before the Lord. And it goes along with what Charity had said earlier. I will come before the Lord in the stillness of the morning when golden dawn shines on the earth and I feel love's tender presence. You are my morning song. I will come before the Lord in the brightness of the midday, in the rushing life and flood of sound. I can find soul's quiet haven. You are my midday song. I will come before the Lord in the softness of the evening, when nature bathes in the purple light. I give thanks for spirit's blessings. You are my evening song. I will come before the Lord In the darkness of the midnight, when moon and stars are shining clear, I feel goodness present with me. You are my midnight song. Day and night you are my song, and we sweetly sing together to worship love and praise your name, singing in your house forever. Day and night you are my song. Yeah, I thought that was so very beautiful. And to think about that, day and night, morning, noon, afternoon, evening, midnight, are you praising God? Is he your song? Are you acknowledging his 
mighty creation and seeing only that. Now, Karen sent me a few um, good things, a couple things. Karen, you want to speak on that? Yes. <clears throat> um, do you want me to read? Which one do you want me to read? Or do you want me to? Well, so I found in Martha Wilcox has a, a association addresses. And uh, it's not part of her book that we have. And um, actually, it's called the, um, the Martha Wilcox Collection. And the one that I was reading was the synonym, uh, her association address of 1923. And the first one that she talks about is mind, saying that it's the most important. Let's see, she says, she says, um, Mrs. Eddy has set forth mind as being the most important synonym because it most clearly conveys to the human mind the name and nature of God. So she goes, so I started reading this and the last two paragraphs I thought in connection with this lesson were so good that I um, sent them to Mary. Did you want me to read this? Um, uh, yeah, I think it's Mary, worth what I sent you. Okay. Yeah, first paragraph you can start. Go ahead. Yeah. All of mind's expressions continue forever. They are mental, divine, spiritual, and form a state of intelligence or man. Every idea that is conceived is the image or mental picture, which takes place as an operation or experience within the divine mind. No matter what this conception may be, whether it is thought as form, a color, a seed, a bone, or a flower, a world rolling in space, a potato patch, a blade of grass, a star, a hand, a heart, a liver, or one's way of making a living. It must be an experience within divine mind. Man is infinite, infinite idea made up of all right ideas. He is God's full consciousness of himself. All ideas coexist with mind and are images in mind. Students, I ask that you hold in thought three fundamental facts. One, the first fundamental fact, mind is the only creator, which affects the basic error that man is a creator. Two, the second fundamental fact, Creation is wholly mental and spiritual, which offsets the basic error that creation is material. Three, the third fundamental fact, creation and creator is one, which offsets the basic error that creation is always apart and separate from the creator. We live and move and have our being in mind. God is where thinking is. Wherever feeling or sensation or knowing is, there is God, good, being. It must continue. It must be harmonious. It must be law. Be still and let the knowing be you. Thank you. Yes. So, so remember, you're either a reflection of God's glorious creation, the bright light, glorious creation, or you're within yourself absorbing absorbing the secular world, the Adam dream. So let yourself be that glorious divine creation. Um, and, and also, uh, and, and not to read this, but you can give us some highlights yeah. from Herbert Rieke. Yeah, I, there, his chapter on Genesis is so good. But anyway, he's talks about um, the falsehood. This is the second when he was talking about Genesis 2 and 3. And he said the first uh, falsehood um, is the fact that God's, God's, God's creation is finished. And he said creation is something that is going on. It is not something that went on. Creation is always active, never static. And then he points out how Mr. Zetti says how creation is unfolding. She uses is current 
uh, present tense. She never says past. It's great. How much better is it to realize? Oh, at least the last one of the paragraphs is the concept that God made everything perfect, that it must be therefore must be therefore perfect, does not bring out the most inspiration. Although many Christian scientists put it that way, this approach is too static. How much better is it to realize that God is forever, even now, this very second, revealing perfection to you, to me, and to all mankind? If you want hell in your human experience, just think of your Heavenly Father as a God of the past. Think about creation as over. Regard God's work as ended. If you want love and inspiration abundant, realize that, quote, it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's from Philippians 2. Thank you. Yes, his, that whole, I guess, association address on Genesis is, is very good. And it, Karen did yeah. record it for us. And um, it's, he takes up, it's more Genesis 2. Um, it is more generous, too. He takes up 39 mm-hmm. falsities in Genesis yeah. 2, and he just takes them apart so beautifully. It's very well well worth the read or the listen um, to think about that. And it, it, he he was a wonderful early worker, Herbert Rieke. So thank you, Karen. You're welcome. There were just a couple of things I wanted to touch on before we close that I thought were important. One was in the Bible, thou rulest the raging of the sea when the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. And then the heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, he's created them. Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. Who said that in the Wednesday night? I think it was Elizabeth. Anyway, be it so. And this is how our weather committee works with this. And they do a wonderful job. And our little weather booklet um, heals these situations, whether it's the the waves or the lack of water, drought, right? God's Mm -hmm. creation is complete and operating now. And it's unfolding now. Yes, it's not over. It's continual unfoldment. Always. Even the fires. The fires. Yep. Mrs. Eddy says there is no life in fire. Always remember that. And then he also, or she, to emphasize this momentous thought about God creating man in his own image and likeness. In the image of God created he them, male and female, he created he them. It is repeated that God made man in his own image to reflect the divine spirit. It follows that man is a generic term. Masculine, feminine, neuter, and neuter genders are human concepts. So it's all this talk about gender right now. So, right there. Yeah, there it is. And we have the ability to express all the qualities, right? Whether it's considered masculine or feminine, we we should be expressing all of them, completeness. Um, and Misha Ela, maybe it was in the last Liberator, she wrote a good article on that about gender. Because again, Mrs. Eddy explains all of this so beautifully and so well, a right identification of ourselves. No confusion. No confusion. No confusion. No teaching our innocent children things they don't need to be learning. At a tender age, um, so nor nor confusing them as to who and what they are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Hence the need of the Bible. Hence the need of the Bible to know that they are the image and likeness of God. That's what you tell them. Anyone want to say anything before we close? Now on a this is a be- another beautiful article Karen sent. Lessons from the rosebuds. Anyone? Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is from a 1916 Sentinel uh, by Eleanor M. Blair. Lessons from Rosebuds. Why were such tight little rosebuds sent for decoration, I wondered, as I looked at the slender points of red, which dotted a bunch of white flowers at the Sunday morning service? It seemed to me that a mistake had been made. 
until a reference in the lesson sermon was made clear to me through the little buds. This reference was from page 506 of Science and Health and reads as follows, quote, Spirit God gathers unformed thoughts into their proper channels and unfolds these thoughts, even as he opens the petals of a holy purpose in order that the purpose may appear, end quote. As I looked at the closely folded buds, I did not doubt their sure enfoldment, and I knew that the purpose of that unfoldment would appear. Why, then, should I doubt the unfoldment of perfection in my life? <clears throat> Surely, if I am ever aspiring, truth will gather my unformed thoughts into their proper channels and unfold them harmoniously, in order that the holy purpose of God in creating man in his own likeness may appear. Thus, the rosebuds taught me assurance. Then I thought how gradual their unfoldment would be, how each little bud would open, one petal at a time, and how each petal would add new beauty to the whole. And I cried out, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? What if thy progress does seem slow? Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rejoice in the new beauty of each tiny realization of truth. It is beautiful in itself, and it helps to form the perfect concept in consciousness. So the rosebuds taught me patience. I considered also how futile would be the efforts of mortal fingers to render assistance to the opening blossoms. However kindly their motive, they could work only ruin. So Christian science had taught me that material remedies for sin, sickness, and discord of every name only hinder the manifestation of that real and permanent harmony which spirit unfolds. On page 95 of Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says, quote, Material sense does not unfold the facts of existence, but spiritual sense lifts human consciousness into eternal truth. End quote. I knew that mortal eyes would see no movement of the petals as they opened, yet the result would prove that they had opened. So I thought, though my daily progress in Christian science is not evident to the material senses, yet the result, in frequent demonstrations, proves that truth has unfolded in my consciousness. Thus, the rosebuds taught me reliance upon spirit. A day or two later, I saw the same bunch of flowers, and my heart rejoiced anew. There were the full-blown roses in all their velvety beauty, and their perfume filled the room. I bowed my head and gratefully gave thanks for their messages of assurance, patience, reliance upon spirit, and gratitude. So beautiful. <laughs> God's beautiful. Yes, thank you all. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.